थैंक यू आचार्य जी फॉर टेकिंग टाइम एंड गिविंग अस दिस अपॉर्चुनिटी टू सिट डाउन विथ यू एंड डिस्कस अबाउट क्लाइमेट चेंज अबाउट वीगनिज्म एंड अबाउट अ लॉट ऑफ अदर क्वेश्चन दैट वी हैव फॉर यू विथ मी टुडे आई हैव ऑन द पैनल निहारिका रायजादा जी अ रिनाउंड एक्ट्रेस एंड माई नेम इज कुंतल जॉयशर आई एम अ माउंटेनियर I'm glad to be here. So, I had this, you know, thought where, in the last twelve years of my climbing mountains, going on Everest and many other mountains in Nepal, in the Indian Himalaya, across the world, as I have been going every single year, I have been seeing that there are drastic impacts of climate change that I can see on the mountains that I'm climbing, especially let's say around glaciers melting on the mountains. लाइक मैं एवरेस्ट जाता हूँ एवरी ईयर आई सी दैट द ग्लेशियर इज रिसीडिंग इंटरनली 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 इवन द ग्लेशियर एट एट थाउजेंड मीटर्स वेयर टेम्परेचर इज इजीली अबाउट माइनस ट्वेंटी फाइव माइनस थर्टी डिग्रीज इवन दैट इज लूजिंग आइस एंड इट इज रिसीडिंग एट दैट एल्टीट्यूड वेयर इम्पैक्ट ऑफ क्लाइमेट चेंज शुड नॉट बी सीन टेक्निकली और साइंटिफिकली सो वी आर सींग दीज चेंजेस देर आर दीज ग्लेशियर लेक्स दैट आर गेटिंग फॉर्म दैट कैन हैव इम्पैक्ट ऑन smaller villages downstream all these changes are happening snowfall happening in weird times and these things are that are constantly happening but then i come back to bombay and uh, there's no impact of climate change or at least something that i really can't perceive sure maybe there's a little bit more warmth in the climate or a little bit extended monsoons but sometimes you feel ah it's mumbai climate it'll just change up and down here and there and so if i am sitting in my bedroom and i am not kind of feeling any massive impact of climate change but there is massive impacts of climate changes happening in very sensitive e- ecosystems like the himalaya and like let's say even the arctic or the antarctic which is causing a havoc across the planet where there are these floods happening and uh, droughts happening and so many things that are happening but sitting here in mumbai i am not able to everything's fine what's this you know big deal about it so how can we take this concept of climate change and explain it to everyone in a way where people can start getting serious about it and start doing something about it because it's if we are looking at any data points then people are saying by 2040 or by 2050 this climate will this planet will literally be uninhabitable so we really need to be getting serious about this and do something about it now so how can we kind of you know bridge this gap where i am seeing something in the mountains but i'm coming home and can't you know like have this question constantly happening what can i do the first thing is to is to see that uh, we are nearing extinction it is not merely a problem huh? we have already entered the sixth mass extinction phase it's a catastrophe worse than the third world war that we sometimes uh, metaphorically imagine to mean a deadly disaster of unimaginable proportions no when you want to say that something utterly terrible might happen then you say third world war what's already happening is worse than the third world war that might might not happen we are uh, rushing towards our extinction there is a sixth one i said right of the previous five ones 
3 happened due to exactly the same cause that ails us today carbon dioxide carbon dioxide you talked of the receding glaciers up the himalayas and you said that's visible there that's not visible here you see two things one because our senses can perceive only gross changes therefore what is happening a bit uh, subliminally we do not detect it immediately right um i would liken it to um, getting infected by the hiv right it can stay in the body for long and then it erupts it's not aids all of a sudden right or even the covid virus we, we the, the disease that we all uh, <clears throat> suffered so much from it comes to you and the symptoms do not show up immediately but when they do show up they can be fatal is it technically the the layer should not recede so much there let me offer you an example you'll find it interesting in a place like canada just a difference of 5 degrees centigrade in the average temperature can mean the existence or non existence of hundreds of meters of ice sheets just 5 degrees right that which you call as the ice age actually the average temperatures then were not too different from what we have now just 5 degrees and 5 degrees mean unimaginably thick ice sheets or their absence so if 5 degrees lesser can mean that the ice can get that large 5 degrees higher would mean that all the ice can suddenly vanish so what is happening up there and that which you saw is exactly what is going to happen and when we say the average temperatures are already 1.5 above normal and they'll get to 3 degrees 5 degrees maybe even 6 degrees we feel like saying oh 6 degrees is not much after all sometimes it is 24 at other times it's 30 25 and 24 and 30 are both things that we have tolerated even enjoyed in so 24 and 30 don't mean much they mean a lot they basically mean that 80 to 90% of all life on the planet is about to go extinct that's the severity of the problem we are facing it's not about the kind of daily weathers that we experience oh it's it's a bit humid today or oh, it's uh, raining without reason you know I, I, don't you feel a bit it warm under the collar it's not not that kind of thing we are not talking about the weather it's climate change everything is going to change and the planet will become inhabitable not only for us but for all species that we know of that's the extent of the crisis we i, I repeat i repeat everybody needs to repeat it as many times as possible to as many people as possible mass extinction that's what we are staring at and we are quickly rushing towards it that's that's what is happening and and the the, the thing is because we do not experience it on our skins immediately so we feel as if it does not exist you know that's the that's the first and the most cowardly way of dealing with a disaster denial just deny it it does not exist huh? we all want to deny things bad things when they first happen to us no this can't have happened and then there are advanced stages of grief and then there are other methods of coping with 
but but the, the first thing itself takes away so much time and we have already lost so much time so like you said there is a denial so it means that we know that it is there it's going to come but we tend to avoid it so is it like there are problems that are bigger than that at present that people see and that's why they tend to ignore it no it's just that if you accept it then it demands action acknowledgement means responsibility that's the reason why you find mainstream media giving so little coverage to the most important problem of our times huh? we talk of this we talk of that we don't talk of the thing that means everything to us huh? what you are seeing today please understand is carbon dioxide levels that we have not seen over the past 10 lakh years 10 lakh years it was never so bad and especially to you you just told me you are a 2021 pass out from iit delhi you know most of the carbon that we see in the atmosphere today has been emitted in your lifetime after you were born that's how lucky your generation is that's the reason i i want to talk more and more to youngsters see how lucky you are that's what we huh the elder ones have done to you that's what we have uh, uh, bequeathed to you take it lots of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and that's going to wipe you out finished so where are the solutions what can we do being a millennial generation being a gen x uh, gen z generation what is it that we can do like for example when the cyclone came this year in mumbai we were all asked to post the cyclone plant trees across mumbai and we all participated all the people that i know participated but it's not enough that's for example not enough to cut down the carbon dioxide uh, amount you just can't plant a few trees you have to do a lot more so what are the few solutions that our generation can implement first thing obviously it is true and it must be understood that we all uh, owe hmm, action towards the solution at the same time a few data points have to be considered it is around 12% of the world's population that's responsible for more than 80% of the excess carbon accumulated in the atmosphere so far so if i start talking to the common man in mumbai that you should do your bit it sounds good in a moral sense but won't be effective it's the it's the rich man in the rich countries and obviously the rich man in the not so rich countries like india who's who's contributing the most who's the biggest culprit towards the climate crisis so what do we do we need to raise awareness to a point where it becomes an electoral issue obviously uh, we can do uh, our own bit uh, not use a four wheeler when necessary fly less often don't consume meat we all know of those measures go solar go tidal whatever you can do you know obviously a person cannot go tidal on his own but uh, so these are the things that we can do but most of these are mostly feel good measures you'll feel that you are on the right side of morality you have done your bit the thing is the the an effective change cannot happen unless it is at the policy level and in a democracy 
policies depend on the number of people who are sensitive to the need of policy change or regulation or formulation. We don't have sensitivity at all. So if you have any reach among the audiences, first thing is to keep shouting this in their ears all the time. Hmm? You are you are happily sleeping in your little dark caves and you just do not know that there is a nuclear explosion outside. You cannot let this happen. So if, if you have an audience, if you have a reach, if you have people who would listen to you, that's the first thing to do. Without that, the common man would remain busy in his usual petty affairs. We cannot blame him for that. And when it will come to choosing a government at any level, even at a local level, he'll vote on largely meaningless issues. And the central issue will remain in oblivion. That means nothing. This has to be there on the front page of the newspapers. Has to be there. Constantly. Somebody has to, has to a lot of people have to wake up to it. The stats themselves are so terrifying that if they are brought out in the public domain, they are already in the public domain. It says that they are not getting publicized. Being public and getting publicized are two very different things. There is so much that is available if you want to look up for it. But nobody wants to Google for something as specific as the stats concerning climate change and such things. So we need to shout it out from the rooftops and the stats have to be clear to us first of all. What are we doing? Where is it really coming from? What contributes to it? And how exactly are we a participant in it all? Right. So I wanted to point out about that where you just point, said that what contributes to it. And at least whatever I have done the research and whatever reading I have done, Animal agriculture is a very big contributor to the greenhouse gas emissions. Now, sure, there are very controversial numbers. One agency says, no, these numbers are not correct. Or some agency says these numbers are not correct. But at the end of the day, every agency agrees that animal agriculture produces significant amount of greenhouse, green, greenhouse gas emissions, which is eventually contributing to climate change. In addition, there's a lot of land use. There's a lot of... Uh, water use, there's a lot of biodiversity loss that a lot of these things are causes which are indirect contributors to the climate change crisis. Now you said that we need to make changes at a policy level, we should elect properly and those kind of things. But these lobbies are super strong and these lobbies like let's say meat lobby or the dairy lobby or for example uh, even a lobby like a car making lobby or the the petroleum lobby, these lobbies are super strong and they are also going to influence the elected members quite a bit to continue supporting these industries, subsidizing these industries and continue contributing to the greenhouse gas emissions and a lot of these things. So what can we do in you know these situations where I as a person like it just feels like such an overwhelming problem to me. I look at this and I'm like, I can't do anything. All I can do is I can stop eating meat. I can be a vegan. Okay, I, I'm, I have been a vegan for 20 years. I'll stop flying. I will, you know, stop. I don't even have a car. I travel in a metro as, as much as I can. Travel in public transportation. So I do a lot of these things. 
but any time it comes to the election or or the electoral politics i'm like i can't do anything no it's not that way please see the tobacco lobby used to be equally strong and for a very long time they tried to obfuscate the ill effects of tobacco on health but then there were concerted attempts people got together and ultimately we had regulations on tobacco there were taxes there were prohibitions and the continuity date and we have been able to mitigate the ill effects of tobacco on human health that could be done this too can be done it's uh, just that uh, you know it's not getting into the public conversation i just read that 63% americans and why do i quote america because countries like america are the ones worst responsible for the state we are in today 63% of them admit to never having even discussed climate change in their households now that's the problem that's a real problem and why do we not discuss it here the thing gets interesting we do not discuss it because it challenges the discussion challenges our very basic philosophy of life you see what is the philosophy that we are living in our daily lives we are saying more is better we are saying if you want to be happy you need to have more goods you need to have better furniture bigger cars you need to fly more how about a dollar 500 million yacht huh things like like that so so that's the philosophy that we live not only the common man from the common man that philosophy becomes the philosophy of the governments so how do the governments for example measure their economic success they talk about gdp what exactly is gdp gdp is just the same thing how many more goods transaction worthy goods is your economy producing now basic things that make life richer are not really amenable to monetization hmm? because you cannot monetize them therefore they do not they do not even count towards the gdp right and it is the gdp focused approach it is the material happiness focused approach that is at the root of the climate crisis we keep on saying the country is producing more and more or my income is uh, getting higher and higher therefore there is welfare it's another thing that what gdp successfully hides is a lot of inequality we said the the top rung of people the very uh, elite in terms of money one uh, percentile top one percentile or five percentile they are the ones contributing um, the in the in the heaviest sense to this crisis hmm? but they are also the role models and aspirations for the remaining 95% we all want to be there and that's a philosophy that has been taught to us the climate crisis is a product of a wrong way of living we have been conditioned we have been taught a wrong philosophy and that's the problem and and the problem is deeper because your generation hmm, sees no alternative except that one philosophy because it has not been exposed to anything else the work that uh, we are trying to do of taking vedant to every household is therefore something that is striking at the very roots of the climate crisis 
and all these are related veganism climate crisis loss of biodiversity extinction of species you name the problem and what you'll find is that the same philosophy huh, philosophy of material happiness is at the root of all of them and therefore you cannot solve any single one of these problems without really addressing all others and if to have address all of them and all of them are intersectional they all touch upon each other then you have to go to the the very base is more really better are we benefiting from that when you say gdp is great huh? and <clears throat> for example moody's just uh, said india is not going to grow at 7.6% it's going to be 6.8% and there was a lot of hue and cry oh my god country is not growing that much the fact is that the average income of the of the most disadvantaged section has not risen by much over the last 30 years even in india whereas the top Uh, one percentile has gotten richer by more than 15 times inflation adjusted figures so what is gdp doing it is taking an aggregate it is presenting to you an average in terms of per capita income what it is hiding is that what averages successfully managed to hide that the averages have been pulled up only by a handful of people and the vast majority of people is actually remaining at the same levels where it was a long time back or actually the levels have fallen that's what gdp is hiding so it's not even that we are getting even materially more prosperous first thing is is material prosperity giving us what we really need what are the costs of material prosperity secondly are we getting even materially more prosperous as a human community no only a handful of people are gaining in wealth all else are just wallowing in their old positions so 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 we need to take up this discussion with with uh, with the young people especially how do you want to live what do you want to live for what is what is your core philosophy of life as we used to say in iit funda kya hai tera huh what's the fundamental you want to live by so i have a doubt here like we all started from a point jab hum early mein the cages mein rehte the then we started technological advances develop ho ke humne itni sari cheeze banayi just to live a life jo ki bahut peaceful ho now when we have these things we are saying that hame minimalism ki taraf jana chahiye to fir there are two options ya to hum aise technologies develop kare for example the sonar parents ones जिसमें कि जो भी चीज़ें रिलीज हो रही है एनवायरनमेंट में वो हमारे ज़्यादा हार्मफुल ना पहुँचाए हार्म ना पहुँचाए या फिर वी लिटरली लाइक गो टू अ पॉइंट जहाँ पे हम चीज़ों को फिर डिस्कार्ड करना शुरू करते हैं वी गो बैक टू द सेम लाइफ वेयर बहुत ज़्यादा मिनिमलिज्म है सो वाट शुड बी द अप्रोच वी नीड एक्टिव इकोनॉमिक डी वी डू नॉट नीड सो मच ऑफ कंजम्पन वॉट वॉज द कंजम्पन फॉर इन द फर्स्ट प्लेस वाई डिड द अर्ली मैन कम आउट ऑफ द फॉरेस्ट आउट ऑफ द केव for what purpose you must remember the purpose the purpose was not that he was not getting enough to eat there no animal ever starves in the jungle unless man interferes hmm. right yeah you don't really have um, pandemics in the jungle again unless man interferes so jungles are actually quite nice places and man was all right there in the physical sense at least right we do not die of hunger heat food thirst starvation that that does not happen usually in the jungle 
And if that happens, to that extent it happens even in the cities, right? We have people dying of starvation on footpaths. That happens even in the US. Even the US have people who are ill-fed, right? Why did we come out from the jungle in the first place? Because there was something that could not happen in the jungle. There were conditions not really suitable to that particular thing. What was that thing? We wanted to develop ourselves more. We wanted we wanted to have more peace, as you said. Huh? Did we really get that by coming out of the jungle? Or have we failed miserably? The intention itself has been defeated. When we were there and now that we are here, are we really better off in terms of the intangible thing that we wanted? Tangibly, we have gathered a lot. Yeah. Tangibly, obviously, we have gathered a lot. But that intangible thing that we were so desperate for, I dare say, so much in love with, could we manage to secure that? No, we, we, we didn't. So not only do we need to minimalize, we actually need degrowth. A lot of things that we are using, we do not need them. They have to be discarded. A lot of the industries are simply wasteful. They do not need to exist. Exactly. The world, do we really need huge military complexes? Do we really need these huge slaughterhouses, animal agriculture he, he talked of? Do you really need those industries? Huh? A lot of the cosmetics industry, for example, they, are these things actively needed? You have to ask yourself these things. Uh, textiles, garments. Do we really need so many clothes as we use? Huh? And there is just so much, you know. The, the carbon emissions of the US military are larger than that of several other nations combined. I'm not talking of the emissions of the militaries of the other nations. I'm saying you pick up the, the, the Scandinavian nations, for example. The emissions of the entire country are lower than the emissions from the Pentagon. Well, what's going on? Do we, we do, do we really need all those things? Uh, do we really need to fly as much as we do? In a country like India, uh, how do you justify flying from Delhi to Chandigarh? Or from Delhi to Jaipur. I do not know whether we have flights from Mumbai to Pune. We do. We do, I think. And we to do. Surat as well. And many other places in Gujarat. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And if and if poor road infrastructure is the reason, we better ramp up that infrastructure. The kind of carbon footprint when you fly is, is tremendous. Huh? So I liked it. We we traveled to Bombay uh, via train this time. We had a camp in Goa. We again used the train. Once the flight and then the train. Obviously, it's not all that convenient. But that's the minimum uh, you, you need to begin to do. And that's just the minimum. That won't suffice. There is a lot more that we actually uh, require to do.